Shabbat Shalom. Good to have everyone here. Hey, amen. Really is. Having a couple of conversations this week. Uh, one dear sister who I know speaks for more than just herself uh, was talking about the uh, fears that surround COVID-19 and uh, you know just some of the concerns that she feels. And um, there's many of us who are away from here right now because of COVID-19. We need to keep each of our people in our prayers. Give them phone calls. Keep them connected any way that you can. Help them out at this time. Uh, there's another dear sister I was talking to who was bemoaning the results of the election. Very concerned. Very concerned. And I think there's good reason to be. Our nation has drifted into very deep darkness. I mean, it's still undecided on a certain level who is going to be president just because of, well, how many unusual things happened in very many states as far as the way ballots were collected, the way they were counted, the way they were eventually confirmed or not. And um, so while that goes on, I'll just say this because uh, I know it's a cause of upset for some people. One of the things we need to remember is we are not saved by our politics and we're not saved by whoever is president of the United States, are we? Our country may very well suffer for a very poor choice made. If eventually Joe Biden is declared president, it'll be the most pro-baby murder administration in the history of the United States. It will be the first administration where the standard bearer has said that he supports the idea of an eight-year-old child beginning to transition to, well, it can't be an opposite sex. That's decided by DNA. So why? There's a lot of confusion in the country today. But here's where I want to go with this. And this will be part of what the message is today also. We need to remember that it is spe specifically, precisely for times like this, that God has placed us here on this earth. It's not for times when it's good. It's not for times when... It seems like all is rosy for our country. Remember, God raised up the prophets specifically because Israel and Judah were straying. And that's why He raised them up, right? He raised up 
Esther precisely because the people of Israel were in grave danger of being wiped out by Haman, right? So it's specifically for times like this that God raises up his people to do his will. And so you say, but our nation is entering into such deep darkness since one sister. She was almost crying about it. It was so upsetting to her. You know what God gave me to tell her? Then you go into the darkness and you be a light illuminating what is done in darkness so that it's brought into the light. And it's the same word I'd have for all of you today. All of you. We have a sister who has a word for us. I'd like to invite Hannah Ford to uh, give us what the Ruach has been speaking to her the last few days. Or longer, maybe. Okay. I didn't know I had something to share today until he called me over and was like, I think you have something to share. And I was like, how did you know that? <laughs> so, um, going to kind of thank God for giving me a push on that. Um, forgive me because I'm, I'm, I'm anemic and the last couple days I've actually been very anemic <laughs> and I've been struggling a little bit. Um, I'm going to put this down real quick. Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, so, oh, there's a part of it. Okay. Um, so this is a part of the story that I find really hard to tell because it's, because I'm learning to trust God. And in order to tell this part of the story, I have to really believe it. Um, so about three months ago, um, well, I guess four now, about four, somewhere between three and four months ago, I, um, God told me to uh, give my ring back to my fiance, um, and that was a very hard night, because he told me, you're, you're hindering his faith, <laughs> which is really hard for me to hear. <laughs> um, well, what's kind of funny is I gave him his ring back and I told him he needed to go find God and get right with him and then I got right with him <laughs> and realized that I needed to as well. Um, but what was kind of crazy about it all was the first week I was really confused and I, oh, I need my planner. Hey, Philip, can you bring me my planner? <laughs> I'm not going to go through the whole thing, don't worry. Um, but I... The first week, I was really confused because for the year leading up to this, I really felt like God had been telling me exactly the opposite. And because when I we we broke up about a month into our first, the first time we started seeing each other, because I have a daughter, and it's just not as simple as you know, just dating somebody. And he. For various reasons, we decided that need, we needed to kind of separate, and um, I was just really confused because it was a big moment in my faith because I got down, and I, I didn't understand why I was hurting so much because I'd only known him for a month, 
and it was very unusual for me. And I prayed and I asked God to take it away, to take him away because there's something wrong and that just like, that whatever that feeling I had for him, if it was not of, of God to just take it. And for the first time in my life while I was praying, I felt like I got argued with, <laughs> which is a big deal because growing up, my I was really, uh, the lie was reinforced that I didn't hear God. And so to, it was the first time I'd got down and prayed and, and felt like I was, being contradicted in what I got down to pray about <laughs> and he told me to show him what God's love was and so in order to do that I had to go to the greatest example of God's love and that was Yeshua and I realized now that that's what he was trying to show me which is really I'm sorry <laughs> and so I opened my Bible and I studied a part of the Bible that I didn't study growing up and I got to know Yeshua a little bit through learning how to love him. His name is Ashton, by the way. Um, and we weren't speaking. We were completely cut off from each other. And I just knew I had to pray over and over again. And it was, he gave me a lot of peace about it and eventually came back. And then we were, we were engaged and God said, he said that. He said, you're hindering his faith. You're making him feel okay long enough to think he doesn't need me. So I gave this ring back to him, and um, I had this little book that I started writing in. God would give me poetry to express what I was going through, and I, I felt like God was just still telling me the same thing. I need to just keep praying for him. And one of the things that Lisa had been teaching me recently was about trees, and uh, trees have been a big theme recently with God for me because I've got a tree on my Bible and I have some bracelets that have a tree on it to remind me of my Bible. And I have this, which has a tree on it. <laughs> and I, he took me to this place and I found this tree that was perfectly halfway transformed um, by fall. Um, it was like a gradient. It was beautiful, and I just sat down, and I started writing. And I don't remember most of them of it by heart, but it was about not being afraid to let go of the leaves. And the end line was, the strength of the tree is the growth that we do not see, and that's its roots. And she told me that just that day that God was giving me roots in him and... So I took one of these leaves and I stuck it into a piece of paper <laughs> and I put it in this, this book that I would write in when I would pray for Ashton. And what's crazy is a couple weeks ago, Ariel mentioned it to you guys a little bit. We spent a week in just Bible study and prayer and it was our week of dedication to, to Christ and we have promisings now for it. Um, and I felt after that and it, with the help of Amber that I needed to get, I call them banners, <laughs> um, for my prayer because my prayer that's too deep for words is dancing. And so I, I got these banners and this leaf was in a book. It was in a book that's held together by a magnet. <laughs> it cannot get out. <laughs> 
And at the end of this week with her, I opened it up. Oh, it was at the end. I didn't realize that. And this leaf was just gone. Like it was, yeah, it was completely gone. Like the paper it was in was still there, but it had vanished. And it was not in any of my things. It was just gone. And so I got these. And when we unrolled them, they're flags, they're semicircles. I kept telling them, there's something familiar about it, but I don't know what it is. Yeah. And then Ariel was like, we should open them up and put them next to each other. <laughs> and help me, I'm shaky. <laughs> and so what's really crazy is that it's a big leaf. <laughs> and she said, it's your missing leaf. <laughs> It's really beautiful because the what she immediately tells me afterward is another lesson from the tree. I could come back. Another lesson from the trees is that the leaves fall, and they fall around the tree, and they provide a really important source of phosphorus for the tree that actually makes it grow even stronger. Roots. The roots specifically, which is really cool because there's a lot of letting go. And when I told her when I had ordered these before they came, I said. God gave me the word itiel. It's a Hebrew word I'd never heard before in my entire life. Still can't remember why I had it in my brain, except that it was suddenly there. And, well, yeah, it's God. Um, <laughs> I sought it out, and basically what I found was God is. And I went to Lisa, and I said, I feel like this is their name, but I don't know what the other word is. <laughs> and I said, oh, maybe, because these are prophetic silks. They pray over them while they make them, and they let the Holy Spirit drive them while they dye them and while they do all that. And I said, oh, maybe they'll have the other word. <laughs> and I was really excited. And when I got them, I was reading the verses they sent me that they felt went with it. And I, I stopped and I was like, it's faithful. It's God is faithful. And she looks at me and she goes, how do you know that? And I was like, I don't know. It's just that everything is being faithful because I need to trust. And that's what he's trying to teach me, that I need to trust him. And she immediately walks to her room, <laughs> and she gets this, which she had bought for me, and I didn't know, <laughs> for Hanukkah, actually. And this is also a prophetic silk. And when I looked at it and opened it, the first big bold word on the letter, its name is trustworthy. <laughs> and over and over in this letter, it says, I am faithful, I am faithful, I am faithful to keep my promises. And so <laughs> together they make I am faithful. And uh, I think that's mostly it. I'm really scatterbrained right now. I'm sorry if that went on, but I think that's, well, I feel like I have to say this now. Um, God has given me a really specific, he's given me dreams and he's given me, he's told me over and over that I'm supposed to pray for Ashton and it's been really hard because it's really hard to believe something that specific because I'm really afraid to be disappointed. I'm really afraid to pour my heart into something and it just be torn away. And what he told me after I, after I did it was, you don't have to fear. You heard me. You heard me right. Just keep praying and come to me because everything else is in my hands. And the fact that I'm even admitting this to you guys is a big deal because it's really, 
it's really holding it accountable, you know, when you should tell people. So that's why I feel like I have to tell you. <laughs> because he's told me that this person that he told me to love, and he taught me to feel love again because I, I didn't grow up with a lot of love. And I learned how I learned about his love through that. And he's just promised me that he's faithful and that he will keep every word of his promise. That every word that comes out of his mouth does not come back in vain. And that it is going to achieve everything. And I don't remember what this verse is, but he gave it to me. It's, For you will know that Adonai has said it and that he has done it. Amen. So... I guess what I was supposed to get up and say is that he is faithful and whatever he's promising you, just trust him. Because he holds the whole world in his hands. He can hold us. <laughs> We're not an accident. So I hope that was coherent. <laughs> Thank you. Lord, we thank you for Hannah. We thank you for the calling you placed upon her life. We thank you for the miraculous things you have already performed in her life. Truly bringing her to salvation, setting her free from the bondages of the past, restoring her family. Lord, we thank you that you are doing this good work in her and you will continue it until the very day of Yeshua. Hannah, I believe the Lord is telling you that he is preparing you for a great work. That that great work has already begun. You may not see it yet, but it has begun. And you're going to walk forward into it. You're going to perform that work for the Lord. You will be blessed. There will be challenges. There will even be heartache in it. But you will be blessed. Beshem Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. One of the things that struck me that Hannah just said was... Um, she, she stated a couple of times that part of this journey lately has been her learning how to trust God. Now this is something that's very important for us to learn how to do, especially in times like this. Someone asked, how do I survive in times of darkness? How do I survive in times when it's, it might be difficult to get food or whatever? I mean... Toilet paper. You remember the shortages of toilet paper. Guess what? It looks like they're coming back again. Oh joy. Haven't been able to find toilet paper at Costco or Sam's Club lately. Amazing. I mean, I never would have thought such a thing here in my country, but it's that way. Hey, listen, I remember when I lived in the former Soviet Union. Now look, for the Americans it was okay. Why? Because we had money. 
we could afford to go to the state stores where they always had plenty of food. But what about for the regular Belarusians who did not have the money that an American missionary had? They had to go to the regular Belarusian stores where absolutely everything was divvied out by the government in very small quantities, whether it be milk or sugar or bread or anything else. And they had to learn to make do with very, very little. They are poor. And we talk about the former Soviet Union being such a mighty nation. Well, they did have a pretty strong military. A lot of the equipment was really old and the technology was really behind the times. But they had a lot of it and they had a lot of men under arms. But I want to tell you, they were essentially a third world nation with nukes. Which in itself is a little bit scary. But they were a third world nation. Their people were just that poor. And yet, the believers there, they demonstrated a faith after all those years of persecution which I could only wish our own people could demonstrate. They demonstrated a joy in the Lord in the midst of their hardships that I only wish we could exhibit in the midst of our plenty. It was amazing. So learning how to trust God. Maybe one of the ways that people learn to trust God is in the midst of hardship. You know? Could be. It's amazing to me the places on this planet today where I find God's body to be the strongest are the places where they face the most persecution or where they face the greatest hardships. So I gave you a message earlier today. Do not fear, right? Don't fear. Don't fear. He's with us. Is it going to be easy? No, I don't think so. Is thing, are, are things going to be rosy for the USA? I don't think so. I think we're entering into real judgment now. Judgment as we've never seen before in our nation. And so what are we going to do for the people of the United States who are walking in darkness? They're basically sheep without a shepherd. Look, if we're being driven by fear, we're not going to be able to minister to them. Did you know that? You cannot minister faith to anyone from a stance of fear. You can only minister faith to someone from a stance of firm confidence in God that He is with you and that you are going to triumph through Him. Whatever the future holds even if there's heartache in the journey. Especially if there's heartache in the journey. Because guess what? Everyone else will be suffering heartache in the journey also. And when they see someone who's able to walk forth in confidence in God and joy, in spite of that, it changes their entire perspective. Perhaps 
I can have this too, they say to themselves. Our greatest ministry normally, and I'm talking about Anatondike, our greatest ministry has normally occurred in times of our need for God. Not in times when we were on top, but in times that we were greatly stressed, in times that we were worried about something or other, in times when it seemed like things were coming apart for us. And yet it was at those times that it seemed like God was most able to use us. Why? I don't know. It almost seems counterintuitive. But counterintuitive or not, it's the way it was. So let's talk about learning to trust God a little bit. I want to give just a short lesson, about 10 minutes. We're going to go to the book of Judges. Judges 3, 1 through 4 is where I'm going to start. And we read, Now these are the nations that Adonai left to test all Israel who had not experienced any of the wars of Canaan. How many of you have been in war? I can think of maybe two of us here who have been in war. I mean war, here on this planet. War. Has anyone else been in war? I can think of two of us. The point is this, that war is difficult. It's dangerous. It's dirty. It's not black and white usually. It's rather gray. And that means it's sometimes hard to know what the right thing to do is. Man, I'll tell you, I really feel for these kids we send to war right now. 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. We're asking them to make decisions of life and death based on the information they gather in a mere second of looking at what's going on around them. And then we dare to judge them when they make a mistake in their judgment of one or two seconds. Drives me crazy, folks. Absolutely drives me nuts. But it happens. It happens. And we have kids that are sent to jail for something that they could not have helped, frankly. And it's a real shame. But things are difficult out there sometimes. So how do you trust in God and walk with Him in the midst of the difficulty? And how, if you haven't experienced war, do you learn how to fight the war? What we're literally reading here is that part of the reason God left some of those nations there was so the children of Israel who had not seen war in the past would not forget how to fight war. War is important to us. Look, we are in the middle of a spiritual war right now. And anyone who doesn't realize that simply isn't, well, they're either asleep or they're not looking. But they're missing it. We are in the middle of spiritual warfare right now. We are in the middle of spiritual warfare on behalf of our nation. We are in the middle of spiritual warfare on behalf of our city. We're in, we're in the midst of spiritual warfare on behalf of our families. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, I am so glad. Now, don't take this wrong, but I'm so glad 
that I've already finished raising my son. I pray for the parents of young children here. I really do. How do you protect your kids in a nation where some actually defend pedophilia as a normal and healthy lifestyle? How do you do that? How do you protect your nation in a your kids in a nation where in the public schools in some places they're teaching the kids about homoeroticism, how to use a condom, how to do this, how to do this, all kinds of sex. It is filthy and it's perverse. And yet this is what's out there. How do you raise a kid well in a nation? where at least two-thirds of what's on TV is evil. How do you do it? And the other third isn't particularly great itself, except for maybe some of the spiritual-based TV that fortunately, thank God, we can get. So yeah, I pray for the parents of young children. I'll tell you, Every one of us who are a little bit older, we'd better be praying for them also. I think of Philip and Lisa. I think of Hannah. I think of Ariel. I think of Chris and Katrina. I think of the Smiths. I think of Zach and Amber and Joe and Megan. Think of Jeff and Renee. It's a tough time to raise children, isn't it? And so, how do we learn to trust God? How indeed? Well, he names these nations that he didn't wipe out. He says it was only in order that the generations of B'nai Israel might learn from war which they had not experienced before. These nations included the five Philistine lords and all the Canaanites, Zidonians, and the Hivites living in the hill country of Lebanon from Mount Baal Hermon to the entrance of Hamat. They were testing for Israel to know whether they would obey the mitzvot of Adonai. And then in Judges 6, we read, starting in verse 7, Now it came about when Bnei Israel cried out to Adonai because of Midian, a nation God had not wiped out before Israel, a nation that was there that was vexing Israel, attacking Israel, mistreating Israel, taking advantage of Israel because of the evil that Israel had done. They were being judged by God. Our nation is coming into a time of judgment, not unlike Israel was in judgment many times. And what did God do? He raised up someone. 
He had already raised up a number of judges. He had raised up Deborah, for instance, and her general, Barak. And so now it came about when Bnei Yisrael cried out to Adonai because of Midian that Adonai sent a prophet to Bnei Yisrael and he said to them, Thus says Adonai, God of Israel, it was I who brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage. Then I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all your oppressors and drove them out from before you and gave you their land. Then I said to you, I am Adonai your God. You are not to fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are dwelling, but you have not obeyed my voice. Now look, in context, this is not being spoken to the United States. I realize that and I want everyone else here to realize it also. The United States was not given Torah. Israel was given Torah. They have a covenant responsibility before God that the nations were not given. However, there's a lesson that any from amongst the nations can learn from this. Because we also, who are walking in the name of Yeshua, have been called by His will to His service. And we've been called by his will to his service in a way not too terribly differently from how Gideon was called to his will and his service. Not too differently at all. And we've been given a message of righteousness, a message of godly morality, a message of God's plan for the peoples of the world that he wants us to speak. What did Yeshua say? I want you to take my good news to every nation, every kindred, every tribe, every tongue. Starting where? Right where you arise from. From your neighborhood. In your city. In your state. That's where you start. You don't start from elsewhere. You start from right here. And you don't wait for God to call you as a missionary somewhere and you're going to do some great thing because if you're not doing it here, you're not going to do it there either. It starts right here. And if you're going to do it here, then you will do it elsewhere. But if you're not going to do it here, you won't do it there either. Then the angel of Adonai came and sat under the terebinth that was at Ophrah, that belonged to Yoash the Aviazrite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. Then the angel of Adonai appeared to him and said to him, Adonai is with you, O mighty man of valor. So let's talk about learning to trust God, shall we? The angel has just appeared to him called him mighty man of valor. And Gideon says, who, me? But Gideon said to him, oh my Lord, if Adonai is with us, then why has all this befallen us? So where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about, saying, Didn't Adonai bring us up from Egypt? 
But now Adonai has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Then Adonai turned toward him and said, Go in this might of yours and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? In other words, get off your butt. Don't point the finger at me. It's you and your people that have walked in evil and gotten yourself in trouble. However, I'm raising you up in your might and valor to set your people free. Gideon still wasn't ready to hear it, though. Because he said, Me, my Lord? With what would I deliver Israel? Look, my family is the poorest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. If any of you are expecting that when God first calls you that you're going to be mighty men and women of valor, forget it. You're not. And you don't have to be. You just have to know that the God you serve is a great and mighty God of valor and working in you, even you, however small you may see yourself, are going to be a person of might and valor. But Adonai said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you will strike down Midian as if it were one man. Gideon's going to do this. Though his father's house is the least in all of Manasseh. And he's the least of his father's house. It sounds like you couldn't get any lower in Gideon's estimate than he was. Amazing. So how do you learn to trust God? Well, Gideon had his ways. And so he said to the Lord, If now I have found favor in your eyes, then please show me a sign that it is really you talking with me. <clears throat> please don't leave from here until I come to you and bring out my offering and lay it before you. So he said, I will stay until you come back. Then Gideon went in and prepared a kid and matzah from an ephah of flour. He put the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot and brought them out to him under the terebinth and presented them. Then the angel of God said to him, take the meat and the matzah and lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. So he did. Then the angel of Adonai put out the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the matzah. Fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the matzah. Then the angel of Adonai vanished from his sight. Do you think God is going to judge you harshly when you're learning how to trust him? If you ask him for something so that you can better trust him? No! He's not going to do that. The whole point is that you learn to trust Him. And that's a process. And He knows it better than we do. Why do you think He put on human flesh? 
walked among us for some 33, 34 years. He knows better than we do. When Gideon realized that he was the angel of Adonai, Gideon said, Alas, my lord Adonai, for I've seen the angel of Adonai face to face. But Adonai said to him, Shalom to you, fear not, you will not die. So Gideon built an altar there to Adonai and called it Adonai Shalom. To this day it is yet an Ophrah of the Abiezrites. Now, let me tell you something about this, folks. So you have this meeting with God. You have a meeting with God. He comes and he summons you and he speaks with you. And you ask something of him and he grants you what you've asked. Yes, I'll stick around. Yes, I'll give you a sign. Yes, I'll do whatever I need to to help you grow in your faith and your trust in me. Don't have a problem with that. But how about when God comes back to you and then calls on you to do something. What are you going to do? Are you going to ignore the summons? Or are you going to show up? And are you going to do it? Because you see the whole point. Of us coming into salvation. Is not simply so that we would be saved. The whole point of us coming into salvation. Is so that we would become disciples. And serve God. Philip sent out an email or a text not too long ago. I think it was Philip. Talking about the number of times that the word believer or follower is used in scriptures as opposed to the number of times that the word disciple is used. The word disciple is the word that's used over and over and over and over and over again. We are called to be disciples, not mere followers. In fact, the very word to be a follower implies that we must be a disciple first. We must be. We serve. And so God came to Gideon. And he said, now it came to pass the same night that Adonai said to him. So he spoke to him and he said, take the young bull that belongs to your father and the second bull of seven years old. Pull down the altar of Baal that belongs to your father. Cut down the Asherah that is beside it. Build an altar to Adonai your God on top of this stronghold in an orderly manner. And take the second bull and offer a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah pole that you will cut down. So Gideon took ten of his male servants and did as Adonai had spoken to him. But since he was too afraid of his father's household and townspeople to do it by day, he did it by night. So do you think God was angry at him because he didn't have faith enough to do it by day? No. No. He did it. That's the point. Doesn't matter what time of day he did it. He did it. He slaughtered the bull he was supposed to slaughter. He cut down the Asherah pole. He got rid of the altar to Baal. He burned it all. And you know what? 
It made God very glad and it really irritated the townsfolk. It really irritated them. You know what? When you do what God is calling you to do, somebody's going to be angry if you're doing what God has called you to do. Someone is not going to like it. First of all, the devil's not going to like it. But secondly, you're going to be goring somebody's sacred cow here on this planet, and they're not going to like it. Gore that sacred cow anyways, folks. Get rid of it. Use it for a sacrifice and burn up the altars to Baal. And the Asherah poles while you're at it. So the townspeople arose early in the morning. Behold, the altar of Baal was broken down. The Asherah pole that was beside it was cut down. And the second bull was offered up on the altar that was built. So they said to one another, who did this thing? And when they inquired and asked around, they said, Gideon, son of Yoash, did this thing. Then the townspeople said to Yoash, Bring out your son that he may die, because he has broken down the altar ball and even cut down the Asherah pole that was beside it. When you do what God is calling you to do, sometimes your life might be brought into danger. Are you willing to face that? That is the question that God ultimately asks each of us. Is our life, this physical life, so precious to us that we would hang on to it and ignore the word that the Lord speaks to us? Well, whether he did it by day or did it by night, Gideon had the courage that he needed to do it, knowing full well that somebody was going to be very, very angry with him. Now, his father had been an idol worshiper. It was his altar after all, and it was his Asherah pole after all that Gideon tore down and cut down and burned up in the fire. And yet, to his credit, Yoash saw something in this. And he saw something in Gideon that perhaps challenged him that maybe he should have been walking with God. Instead of messing around with the gods of the peoples around him. Philip, you could go get the kids, please. So Yoash, seeing these guys standing against Gideon, calling for his death, He said to all who stood against him, so you're going to defend Baal. I can see Yoash laughing at this point. (laughs) You're going to defend Baal, are you? Really? You're going to rescue him. Whoever defends him will be put to death in the morning. If he is a god, let him defend himself. And if he's not then why are you upset? If he's a fake, he's a fake. Let him defend himself since someone has broken down his altar. So on that day he was called Yeruvahal, which means let Baal contend with him since he broke down his altar. Now all the Midianites, the Amalekites, and the people of the east gathered together, crossed over, and camped in the valley of Jezreel. 
But the Ruach Adonai clothed Gideon, and he blew the shofar, and Abiezer rallied behind him. Then he sent messengers throughout Manasseh, and they also rallied behind him. Then he sent messengers to Asher, Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, and they came up to join them. It's obvious that Israel was just waiting for God to raise up somebody who was going to lead them into battle against the ones who were trying to pervert their society and against the ones who were trying to tear down Israel. Just waiting for it. And as soon as it became apparent that there was this one named Gideon, who you remember good old Gideon, the least of his family who was the least of the entire tribe of Manasseh. God doesn't care how little or least you are. That doesn't matter. His question is, are you willing to serve him and go with him? And if you are, it's by his power that you triumph. Not by your own. You know, God shows us that in this lesson too. You know how? Because there were nearly 40,000 people who showed up from all these tribes. 40,000! You know what God said? It's too many. It's too many. If you win with this number, then you'll take credit for yourself. So no, we're not going to do it this way. You tell everybody who is kind of afraid or concerned that they can just go home right now. And guess what? Most of them went home. Only 10,000 were left. And you know what God said? Now they're facing a a really large army. But God said 10,000 was too much. So he said, here's what I want you to do. And this is how you'll know who's to go with you. Take them down by the water. And those that drink like dogs, just sticking their face into the water, tell them to go home. All of them. Those who who kneel down and they laugh like this, taking the water up in their hands and laughing, still able to look about the ones who are alert, the ones who are watching, the ones who are ready to fight at a moment's notice. Those are the ones that you're going to keep. 300. Wow, 300. And you're talking about him fighting an army of tens of thousands with 300. But God said it's with these 300 that I'm going to deliver you and I'm going to deliver Israel. Just trust in me. Now here's my point. You remember Gideon, right? The least of my family, which is the least in the tribe of Manasseh. Give me the north-south if you're with me. Gideon, the least of my family, who is the least in all of the tribe of Manasseh. He has learned to trust God. He's learned to trust Him. To such a point... That now he's willing to go into battle against tens of thousands 
with 300, knowing that God is with him and that in God and God's might, he is going to be victorious. This didn't happen in a day, folks. It happens over time. But it only happens if you begin a relationship with God at some point. You know, you have to start that relationship. God, well, God is really the one who begins it. But you've got to be willing to take Him up on it and then walk with Him day by day by day by day. Annette and I didn't just show up in the former Soviet Union one day because we were people of great faith. Oh my gosh. We were every bit as frightened as Gideon. We didn't go to the former Soviet Union because we were people of such great talent. Oh no, we were sure we were just like Moses. We can't speak our way out of a wet paper bag. We had to grow in our faith and we had to grow in our relationship with God and we had to grow in our trust of Him. And it's the same with all of us here. So the message to you today is do not fear what is coming upon this nation. Do not fear it even if it touches you and your family. What you need to do is simply walk with God, trust in Him, and see the victory that He will bring. Go to those who are living in darkness because there's a lot of people living in darkness. Go to those who are living in great abject fear. Why do they live in such fear? Because they don't really know God. But if you do, then you can train them in knowing God so that they no longer walk in fear. And remember, God's not going to drop you. Of this thing, you can be very confident that your great Lord, who has called you, who has trained you, who has brought you to this point, is returning, and He's not going to let go of you. And He will continue working in you and with you and through you until the very day of the return of our Lord and Savior, Yeshua. Open your eyes and behold, for your salvation draws nigh. Amen. Amen.